0: Welcome back to Fantasy Pints podcast. We're joined again this week by another special guest following last week's episode with Ben Osborne. It was perfect timing last week as as we discussed on the episode, wasn't it really, for Ben to come on?
1: Couldn't have been any better. We had him booked for uh, probably two or three weeks. And then obviously the timing of it was absolutely perfect uh, in line with the speculation around and subsequent relatively quick fall of the European Super League. We got his views yeah. on that. If you haven't watched that episode, make sure you go back and do so. It was yeah.
0: great. It was the we, yeah. We did discuss the crash and burn of the Super League, um, and this week, obviously, the return of live music on Sunday, which is, is massive. Uh, Septon Park is hosting Blossoms, The Lathams, and Zuzu as part of the pilot event. So that's that's good news,
1: and what a gig that's going to be as well. Um, you know, controversial topic, I think, with people having obviously different views on the pandemic, but assuming that it's done safely, 5,000 people get to go out and watch, um, you know, three fantastic music artists for the first time in 18 months, you know, in relatively close contact with each other. And I think it's just going to, for those people that are there, I think it's going to be some seriously euphoric feeling.
0: Yeah, definitely. And elsewhere in the news this week, there was obviously a lot of debate going on online to do with the the daniel eck who owns spotify bidding for arsenal the whole sort of he's upping people's prices
1: um, it's ridiculous yeah it's a joke
0: yeah yeah he's upping people's monthly subscriptions um he's paying artists very little and then he's obviously going to bid for arsenal which is uh causing a bit of controversy to say the least um but obviously that combines sport and music and today's guest combines sport and music so um it was great to get his opinions on both the super league and obviously music he's he's a radio host and he runs the sport social obviously this was pre-recorded so it was before the whole Daniel X Spotify business but we we definitely delved into um the sporting world as well as music wouldn't you say
1: yeah definitely and uh would expect nothing less from uh, from such a, an esteemed radio DJ, but he was fantastic. He spoke really, really well. Um, in some ways, put us to shame as fledgling podcasters. It's really good, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Let's get him on.
0: And we're joined this week by a special guest. He's from XS Manchester. It's Jim Salverson. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. How about you guys? We're good. We're good. Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. Thanks for joining us. Massively appreciate it. No worries. Yeah and you work on
0: the the evening shows don't you on on access yeah um i think the first question is what's it been like working on the radio during this whole pandemic
2: um it's it's been weird to be honest with you i mean weird and you don't you don't you kind of don't want to take positives out of a situation like a global pandemic because there are very few positives to have mm. but from a personal point of view it's been really nice to have what I do and what we do in the industry, actually showing a real value because it's a ridiculous job, really. Uh, Sitting in a room on your own, pressing play on music and talking to yourself is a ridiculous job. And often it feels like you're not really contributing anything. You're not producing anything. You're not not making anything with your hands. You're not a nurse. You're not a fireman. You're not a policeman, anything like that. You're not anything useful. Mm. But actually for probably the first time in what's an over 20 year career for me, it's felt like I've played a kind of a reasonably important role because I think a lot of people have been stuck at home. A lot of people have felt isolated. And one of the reasons I love radio um, and one of the reasons I love audio is its ability to connect on a really deeply personal level with people. So I think people have turned to radio in a whole new way and they've kind of embraced it almost as kind of what it is there to do. And it's there to keep you company. So yeah, actually for, the first time in 20 years, I felt valued, which has been really nice. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what the other thing that's been re- really nice? And as you said, I do the evening show on Excess Manchester, and there's a, there's a heavy leaning towards kind of new music on the evening show on Excess. And one of the really nice things that I've seen from it is the way the music industry has reacted to the global pandemic, because... Yes you might remember the messages that the government put out at the start, that if you work in the creative industries, you need to retrain, you need to go and do something else. Just give up your dreams, go and work in cyber. And what I think has been absolutely brilliant about the industry is, and sure, there are people that are going to have fallen out of it, and there's people that won't have made it through, and that's really sad. But for the people who could and the people who can, they found creative ways to keep going, um, be that doing live streams or putting out music that they've recorded um, via Zoom, for example, I, I think it's been really refreshing. And I think uh, there's, there'll be a lot of lessons that music take away from this about how to react against adversity. And I think that's been really warming.
1: Yeah.
0: And because yeah. a lot of the ways that bands usually promote live music is obviously touring and there's been no live music. And a lot of the bands I've spoken to have, have said that it's, it's all been about radio plays. Like it's meant more now than, than ever before have if, if you felt that as a host particularly as a new music host
2: um to a certain extent i mean in terms of you always feel without wanting to sound arrogant you always feel valued by bands because radio airplay is such an important thing for bands because spotify does what it does brilliantly i mean you can put to one side the moralistic questions about how much it pays artists and all that kind of thing. But music streaming services do what they do. Brilliantly create a playlist to find, but nothing has quite the impact of a personal recommendation from someone that you trust. And like I say, radio and audio builds up this personal interaction, this personal relationship. So people do trust the people that are on the radio. So when you've got a DJ picking a tune and playing a tune and singing its merits, it does kind of almost put a stamp of approval on that tune so yeah it has kind of always felt valued but maybe more so during the pandemic because it's given us the opportunity to promote what bands have been doing as well and promote the kind of the acoustic streams or, or whatever it is they're doing the live sessions all that kind of thing it's given us a the ability to shine a light on that to a certain extent also
1: yeah and so for anyone who doesn't listen to your uh, your show in terms of new music what's standing out for you at the minute
2: Oh, I hate that question because, <laughs> I mean, I I listen to right. I was trying to work this out the other day. I listen to I reckon probably on average, around a hundred and fifty new tunes a week. Um, and Excess Manchester doing the evening shows, not my day job by the way. That's kind of my my extra <laughs> job. Right. Um, but the yeah. So I'm kind of squeezing that into my my main my, my kind of spare time, which means I find it really difficult to remember certain bands that are really standing out for me and um, what I would say is I don't remember a time in music and I've always kind of worked in the indie rock genres I don't remember a time in music where guitar music was so strong and there were so many brilliant new bands coming through um, there's a record label in Manchester called 42's Records are you guys where are you You guys aren't based in Manchester are you or are you yeah I'm
0: I'm uh, based in Manchester James is in Wigan at the minute
2: Okay. So, well, you know, you'll know about the music scene in Wigan. I mean, that's absolutely flying at the moment yeah, with the likes huge. of the the Lathams driving that. Um, and also in Manchester, 42 Records, which is born out of a student nightclub that we have in Manchester called, 42's, called 42 Street. Um, 42's record label something that's popped up in the last 24 months or so. And they've got some fantastic names on their roster. They just seem to be smashing it at the moment. There's a band called Reclaim Vienna who... Yeah. I don't get to play very often on the evening show actually because a lot of their stuff is potentially too dancey for our playlist but I think they're absolutely fantastic at the moment the Scottish scene is doing wonders at the moment um whether you'd class the Snuts as a new band or not I don't know because they've been around for a while a couple of years ago we put them on our ones to watch list for um I think it was 2019 and they've just got their first UK number one album so I guess they've kind of moved away from the new band and they're kind of a bit more established now, but there's a Liverpool band called Honey Motel who I yeah. really like as well. Um, there's a, there's a band called Demons of Ruby May who have just upped their game recently. Again, they've been around for a while and they used mm-hmm. to do these very soft, beautiful um, soundscapey songs, but they've changed recently and they've adopted to this very eighties vibe that we've got going on in music. Uh, and they're much making some, stomping records at the moment so yeah t- too many probably to pick out a few particular bands to look at but in my view music new music is in a really strong place at the moment
0: yeah and you mentioned the snuts because i think i interviewed them when i first started the website which was 2018 and then interviewed them again just before the album release mm. and then like yourselves XS manchester who who picked up on them early so how do you feel when like now they are getting? national radio play and it's like this is the new band the snuts um do you feel sort of a sense of pride that they were spotted early, or is it like why are you latching onto these now kind of thing
2: oh no 100 it's a sense of pride um i mean you do you get you get there's a certain type of person that has like one of those t-shirts i knew them before they were famous kind of thing that that only likes bands when they've got underground eps released and and haven't played a gig larger than five people and a dog before um i feel completely 100% the opposite of that I love watching the development of bands and bands going through their journeys Um, and I look at a band like like Cortina's for example so I remember speaking to Liam and the band when they were publishing St Jude uh, 13 years ago now right at the beginning of that journey and seeing them just take those steps up through the venues in Manchester going from playing the Academy Two to the Apollo to I can't remember where they've actually played these venues. <laughs> it's the kind of night and day, kind of moving up and up and up, and then playing to thirty thousand people at the Manchester Arena. I think it, I, I feel a kind of sense of pride in that, even though I had nothing to do with it and I've had nothing to do with any success that these bands have. Um, I, I feel an amazing sense of pride to to kind of have see the development and see the growth and see not only that more and more people are discovering these bands and loving these bands, but development in songwriting that a lot of them go through as well and the the change in sound and the maturity that bands kind of get as they grow through the process as well
1: yeah i think i think you're possibly not giving yourself enough credit there um i think you possibly deserve a little bit more credit than that because you know in a lot of cases you're you know the first real platform giving a lot of these artists a chance
2: so very kind of you to say it's um (laughs) it's but i mean it's I won't say it's an easy job because it's only an easy job if you can do it. Um, but it's certainly a job that doesn't feel like a job. It's like there is absolutely no hardship in listening to a loads of music and picking what you like. So, uh, yeah, yeah. so yeah, I'll t- I'll, t- I'll take the praise, <laughs> but I'm not sure I agree yeah. with it.
0: Yeah. And one thing you're becoming quite known for, especially on socials, is um, you, you do your comparisons, don't you? So you'll compare mm. maybe new artists to two artists and then we, we were speaking to joe astley um, a week or so ago and i think he, his was springsteen and the killers and it's like yeah. as soon as he heard that from you he's like he posted that everywhere and was like <laughs> is that is that kind of like do you enjoy that side of it because they obviously love it when you when you come up with these things
2: i think part of the job of um selling new music which is kind of what you have to do on the on a show like I do. And I mean, here here's the reason that you don't get many radio stations playing new music anywhere in the UK, particularly commercial radio stations, is because it's tried and tested and it's proven that people want to hear their favorite music again and again and again. They want to hear the big hits. They want to hear stuff they know. In general, people find new stuff a little bit scary. Um and it isn't until they've heard it seven, eight times that they kind of build the relationship with it. So part of my job is kind of making it feel more familiar than it is. And the way I listen to music is when I listen to it, I I automatically try and spot influences and I try and pull out things that remind me of other songs I've heard in the past. And for me, it occurs to me, it's a a great way to introduce someone to a new piece of music. Because if you go, here is a new song from someone you've never heard of that makes me care no more about it than I did 30 seconds ago. If you tell me here's a new song from someone you never heard of, this reminds me a little bit of these two artists that you love, then you've got an instant buy into that. So that, that's kind of the way I look at it. And um, so partly it's a natural thing. It's just the way I listen to music. And I think it's the way a lot of people listen to music. They they find the bits that are familiar. They pull out sounds or they pull out guitar effects or they pull out references from bands or influences. And part of it is a little bit more calculated that I'm going, well, here's a good way to kind of get people to buy into this. Because we know it's like like um, Apple Genius back in the day when you were on your iTunes, it would say, if you like this song, you'll also like this. I'm doing a human yeah. version of that.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. No, really, it's a really clever way to sort of promote new music. I think, and yeah, I've seen seen it so much on people's like bios and stuff. So, so they obviously love it. Um, we'll move away. long from... as you pick
2: the right bands? I mean, if you say this is cross between the cheeky girls and, uh, <laughs> and the crazy frog, they're probably not going to put it on their bio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Before um, we do, before we do move away from live music, because I know that's what Sean was about to say. Um, what are your thoughts on second of May, Sefton Park? blossoms the lathoms oh, yeah. um, what do you what do you think about it? i personally think assuming it goes to plan i think it's fantastic for live music and hopefully assuming it's safe you know um it will be the sort of kickstarter to to get live music up and running again
2: i think i, I look at this two ways um and i'm going to try and avoid to skirt around the politics of of this uh <laughs> I think you're right as it needs to be hundred percent safe and it needs to be a staged approach to reintroduce live music as desperate as we all are to get back into a crowd and see bands playing live if we get it wrong if the the bringing back of events and live music and sport is done badly then it's going to knock back the long-term recovery as much as I mean completely ignoring the fact that it can make people ill and could kill people in terms of getting back to normal, we need to take baby steps to get there. Yeah, I, I saw the Sefton Park gig and I went, does it feel a little bit too early? But at the same time, it's relatively small scale. It's, I hope, going to be managed in a really controlled and sensible way. Um, and people are desperate to get that back. They're desperate to go and see live music. So I think it's good it's happening. I think... As long as the measures are in place that keep it safe and it is managed responsibly, I think it's, it's got to be a positive thing. And the lineup being, the lineup looks brilliant as well. So, yeah, happy days.
1: Yeah, I agree. Appreciate that was a tough question. Sorry to, uh, to <laughs> drop that one on you. I know you don't want to, you know, it, it's difficult to sort of, as you say, skirt around that one without forming one divisive opinion or another. I
2: love getting into politics, but um, I'm sure I don't want to bore people with my opinions. (laughs) (laughs) Feel free.
1: feel free.
0: Yeah, so what I was going to mention was, aside from music, you're working on something called the Sport Social. Yeah. So could you tell us a bit about
2: what that is? So Sport Social is my day job, ultimately. Um, It's for the same parent company that run XS Manchester, and it's an on-demand sports project uh, creating and discovering and surfacing audio for sports fans, ultimately. Now, most people will know on-demand audio as podcasts, and that is kind of a large part of what we do. Uh, We create our own brand podcasts, so we have a daily Premier League podcast. If you're a fan of the Premier League, it's kind of the only show you can listen to in the world, which gives you a daily update of everything that's going on in the top flight of English football. Um, There are other podcasts that are daily, but none focuses just on the Premier League. That's something we make ourselves. We have a website which publishes daily sports news, which you can listen to as well as read. That's sport-social.co.uk. And very recently we launched something called the Sports Social Podcast Network. Um, It's about a month and a half old, and it's our attempt to bring together the best sport content makers in the podcasting world so it's very difficult to surface podcasts to find new podcasts at the moment as I'm sure you found with your show unless you're Peter Crouch or unless you're a podcast that is got a major name involved like a worldwide name or is backed by a major backer it's very difficult to get your podcasts found Um, and with the Sports Social Podcast Network we wanted to level the playing field a little bit for all creators where we can create a hub for people to discover podcasts um and we can also help promote those shows that maybe wouldn't get the love that they might do on a spotify or an apple or somewhere like that or the other platforms for that matter so yeah that's that's our new project We're really excited about it
0: yeah it's a really good point you make there because it's it's something i found It's something i'm guilty of like i look at the podcasts i listen to everyone who's on those podcasts was already well-established before creating yeah. them and then and then you do notice when you start trying to do your own it's like yeah. how, how do we get people to listen to this well it's, it, yeah. it's
2: hard work to find a podcast that isn't being pushed to you by an apple or a spotify because mm. you look at the front pages and you go oh, these are the podcasts that exist you search for a topic you like um using the search bar and unless you know the specific title of what you're looking for you'll just be served the top performing podcasts in those areas which invariably And understandably are going to be the podcasts that are fronted by big personalities, but they're not always the best podcasts. There are some brilliant podcasts out there that go kind of below the radar. And with a little bit of digging, you can find some brilliant and really underappreciated work. It's like bands, I guess, isn't it? It's like liking to discover the podcast before they get famous. But there's some absolutely brilliant shows out there. They just need a little bit of digging. So hopefully that's what we're helping to a certain extent. We're helping those sport podcasts find and grow their audiences
1: Yeah, Yeah. well, in the in the footballing world, in the last two weeks, there's there's three words on everybody's tongue, and I think you probably know what they are: Uh, European Super
2: League. What are your thoughts? Uh, I've talked about this endlessly since the news was announced. Pretty much, I mean, I think pretty much every football fan is united in the fact that they hated the proposals, and we saw it pretty much instant. I mean, I've never seen anything. I mean, the the Leeds United badge that they launched with the with the guy with his yeah. fist across his chest lasted six days and, and everyone hated that. And this has then lasted 48 hours or whatever. So um, <laughs> it's impressive the speed at which it crumbled and it's good uh, the speed at which it crumbled as well. I mean, people have taken various different objections to it for various different reasons. For me, the prime reason I didn't like it was the the lack of competitive nature of yeah. it. The idea that it was a closed shop because that's always been what I love about football the idea that whoever you are, whoever you support, your team can potentially one day reach the very top of the footballing pyramid. It could, I mean, it becomes less and less likely with every year that goes on, but there's, there is, there is, a chance even if it's a small chance that the likes of Farnborough Town could one day win the Premier League and that will always be there and I hope that is always there what the European Super League did was close that door and went well do you know what if you're not classed as a big club at this particular snapshot in time and you have to remember as well those teams that were being included in the big six or even outside looking across Europe those big six teams weren't always the big six teams. It's just this particular slice, this particular snapshot in time that they're classed in, in, in that category. If look at
1: 20 years ago, for example, Manchester City would have been nowhere near that.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, and why not take, if you're going to judge the big, the big teams, why not judge them on their European heritage? Why not include Aston Villa? Why not include yep. Nottingham Forest and teams like that? So yeah, the, the closed shop nature was what really upset me about the proposals, but Glad to see it kicked to the curb and now we just have to deal with the stupid proposals for the replacements of the Champions League.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well I saw, I think the last thing I read was obviously Barca and Real Madrid out. They're still confident something might happen, but um, obviously the the English teams, it was good to see how quickly they turned around. But So do you think now, because there's a bit of debate going on of whether those teams should be punished, isn't there, for for what the owners did? How do you feel on that?
2: Well, the challenge is they've not broken any rules which is very difficult to punish someone when they've not actually done anything wrong. If they'd gone away and formed the Super League, then there could have been action taken. They could have been expelled from the Premier League, for example. They can't do that. Obviously, they don't want to do that. The Premier League want to keep these teams involved because they're important for the attractiveness and the revenue that the Premier League creates. Um, how do you punish someone who's not broken any rules? I don't think you can. Uh, points deductions don't really work for me. And um, some people argue that it, they do punish the fans not the club and that is true to a certain extent but that doesn't really matter when a team goes into administration they still punish with points deductions so that's not really an argument but for me I feel like it damages the competition I, I don't want to see 10 points deducted from teams this season or next season because I think it creates a a false league almost and my argument for the European Super League was competitiveness so I feel like the the league should adopt the same kind of rules if you adopt team's points that it's not competitive big fines for clubs that's not really going to do anything so we're talking about the richest clubs in the world and when we talk about the fines the premier league hands out they're pretty pathetic anyway it's the equivalent of a couple of weeks wages normally for a player so nothing that's going to hurt them in any way or even put them off in any way um if i was going to look at a punishment and i don't think anything will happen by the way i think it will just be slap on the wrist don't do it again Mm. i'd look at excluding those teams from European football next season. So from not this season, Premier League that's been, but next season you say, well, look, yeah. it doesn't matter where you finish. You're not playing in the Champions League. You're not playing in the Europa League. We'll redistribute those places elsewhere because yeah. then, you're, you, then you're setting out your stool from the start of a season. You're kind of going, look, this is what you're playing for. You can still win the Premier League, but even if you do, you're not going to be in the Champions League. Um, and it also... Is a deterrent for doing it again. And it provides that kind of an appropriate punishment. You're going, well, you didn't want to play in this competition anyway. So we're going to take it away from you. You don't have to play in it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Fair enough. It would be an interesting, would be an interesting Champions League to watch some of the Premier League's most consistent, you know, mid-table teams competing against. Um, Well, to be fair, it would be, you know, a similar case. I would, I would hope for, well, the other think, sort of top leagues, wouldn't
2: it? I think Bayern but,
0: Munich yeah. and PSG would be rubbing their hands together, wouldn't they? Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Would, would UEFA want a situation where you've got, I don't know, who who finishes in the top, like Southampton <laughs> playing yeah. in the Champions League <laughs> Bayern Munich? They're not going to want that. So there's a certain extent of UEFA and the Premier League aren't going to want to shoot themselves in the foot by crippling their TV deals for the coming seasons by letting lesser teams into the league. Yeah.
0: yeah. I agree. So we sidetracked onto sport, but we'll go back onto music and the uh, the theme of the podcast. Yeah. So we ask people for the three musicians, past or present, that they choose to go for a drink with. Who's your first choice and why?
2: So first up, um, I, I spent far too long thinking about this, uh, <laughs> and I'm going to pick three, three, all three of my musicians aren't necessarily. They're all artists I like, but they're not necessarily artists that I absolutely love that would be top of my tree in terms of music. They're people that I think would be interesting to actually go for a beer with. Um, And only one's an option still, actually. (laughs) So first would be David Bowie, because I think he's an absolutely fascinating person. I don't know if I'd get on with him as a character but I find him really interesting. And you only have to watch clips of, there's a famous TV clip of him talking about the internet and him predicting how the internet is going to shape the future. And the fact that he was such a deep thinker on that level, I think makes him really, really interesting. Um, And the other thing I think about David Bowie, that that I'd love to talk to him about is we all know him as this musician, this brilliant and creative musician who changed his style so many times and adapted to the themes of the day, but he never particularly wanted to be a musician. He wanted to be famous. That was kind of his aim in life was just to be famous. So essentially David Bowie was like the first X Factor contestant, <laughs> <Yeah>. but that's <laughs> all he wanted was fame at any cost. And I find that absolutely fascinating as to how he ended up because he tried art, he tried acting, he, he, tried music obviously um and i'd love to talk to him about how i mean he he's probably one of the most well-regarded musicians and songwriters on the planet nowadays Mm. and it's interesting to know how he just fell into that
0: yeah and i think because we've we've not long started the podcast but it's a question that i used to pose in my interviews and i'm pretty sure he only came up once and I was saying it last time. wasn't it? It, it like surprises me that people like this aren't aren't picked more.
2: But oh, yeah, well, it'd, so, it'd be hard yeah. fucking work, wouldn't it? I mean, <laughs> you'd go with David Bowie, and he'd want to talk about art. Oh, you'd have to be really picky about the pub you went. <laughs> he'd order like a he'd order a weird drink at the bar with sparklers <laughs> in it. So I mean, it'd be hard work. But it, I think it'd be interesting. Yeah, we do yeah. see.
1: We we do we do. or oh, we have had uh, a few guests with some picks that we think that probably should be picked more often. We had um. Ben Osborne from Sheffield United on the podcast last week and he picked Mike Skinner as one of his picks. Yeah. No one no one's picked Mike Skinner before. Uh and we sort of questioned it afterwards. We thought, why has nobody picked Mike Skinner? That's a great
2: pick. Um I imagine you get the same people quite a lot. I bet I bet Noel and Liam Gallup come up a lot. Yeah.
0: It's Liam and Keith Liam. Richards. Yeah. That's okay. been the most common. But yeah. So who is sitting John Lennon. Yeah. yeah, John Lennon's been a couple of times. Who's sitting next to him on the table and who's next?
2: I wasn't planning on going with them all, the, all for a drink together. To be honest with you, I'm not sure this this crowd would mix very well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is what this is the conversation we have every time because I, I, I never make that bit clear. But your, these are your fancy pints. Do whatever you want. Okay.
2: So next on my list is a man. i I'm I've been hugely privileged um, in my career in radio, and I've met a lot of my musical icons. But one man who I've never met in person, although I've seen him play live. Probably, probably 15 or 16 times, is Dave Grohl, who I absolutely love as an artist. And I think he just seems like one of the nicest blokes in the world as well. And I've reached a stage in my life, I'm 42 now, where my idea of a night out is the idea of sitting in a nice kind of comfy chair in a pub in a quiet corner with a good jukebox in the corner is much more appealing than going to a nightclub. And I think Dave would vibe off that. So I can imagine sitting down with a nice craft beer, maybe like a Boston lager or something with Dave Grohl and having a chat and finding out about what he, like his, his, well, how long does he spend in music now? So 25 years of the Foo Fighters. He was in Nirvana, three or four years before that. So almost 30 years in the music industry. I think it'd be fascinating to sit down with him and have a good chat. And he just seems like a lovely bloke as well.
0: Yeah. I think the thing that's what that's what it is with him, I think, because he's been in two of the biggest bands in the world and he just mm. seems so grounded, just so so nice, like you say, that, and he, he's never changed, has he? I think that's what that's why people relate to him a lot.
2: Yeah. And I think in terms of him as I mean he used to be cool, and I'm not entirely sure he's massively cool anymore. He's no, kind of—he's moving into the embarrassing dad territory and I say, I, think his, I think his daughter now rivals him on the, the cool yeah. side of he,
1: things. He, he it?
0: embraces that, though, doesn't he? I think yeah. That before,
1: like.
2: Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I like about him. He's really self-aware, and as you say, he—he—they're not a band that pretend to be something that, or then he's not an individual that pretends to be something he's not. He's, he's, he seems to be very honest with his songwriting. He seems to be very honest in the way he presents himself. And, uh, and yeah, and I I've, I don't think I've ever seen him get angry or upset in an interview, certainly since his Food Fighter days.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got one time. of those voices, too. I think I could listen to him. I actually watched, probably, I think it was only two days ago, watched a relatively recent clip on YouTube of him. It was, like, a 12-minute clip. It was ever-long acoustic. He was playing it to a crowd of people, but he, he sort sw- of... <laughs> Nine minutes of this clip was just him playing the first chord of Everlong and talking about how the uh, how he came about writing the song. Mm. Um, and he's the first person to admit that even now, as we say, thirty years on, he's still got absolutely no sort of musical uh, theory knowledge. Um, and he, you know, he, he says he treats the guitar like a drum. And I sat there and just watched him and listened to him speak about writing this song for like twelve minutes, and I was just completely. Encapsulated by him, I think he'd have some serious stories to tell as well.
2: That's one of the reasons I love them as a live band. Actually, is it partly it's that kind of there's nothing worse than going to see a band that just play the music yeah. like it sounds on the album and just go for it. Song, 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 song. They might stop and say, "This one is whatever song they're introducing," and I love the way that Foo Fighters as a band interact with the crowd and they do tell stories and they just seem to enjoy it as well. I think whenever I've seen them, they just seem to love playing live and really buzz off that experience. And you watch Taylor Hawkins on drums at the back and he's, he's got the biggest smile in the world anyway. But it's just like a pair of teeth playing the drums at the back of the stage. And I, I just I, I admire that, that after 25 years of doing the same job over and over again, ultimately, you still enjoy it or appear to enjoy it as much as you did in day one. So yeah, they're, they're a phenomena.
0: Yeah, his crowd interaction is incredible, isn't it? I think that the recent Glaston reset thats that's what I I know. That's what I drew from that. Watching, I wasn't there, but I watched it obviously on BBC, and he just he just like had them in the palm of his hand. It looked looked unreal,
2: and it feels so natural as well. I mean, there was um, Stereophonics recently, or Kelly Jones recently released um, a a live album, which was him acoustically playing Stereophonics songs from through the years, uh, and telling stories and, and like you say like dave did with everlong say so dave i'm first name terms now <laughs> uh, like, like he did with everlong he's kind of like he's playing the first few chords of a song uh, on the piano i think it is and he's telling these stories as he's playing it and it's had the same feel to it um and it's a brilliant album the songs are beautiful the stories are fascinating as well but what it lacks is that kind of natural off-the-cuff nature you can kind of tell that those stories have been prepared and they've been scripted and they've been edited and they've been yeah. they're kind of they, they feel like a performance whereas I think when Dave Grohl's doing this stuff and I've no idea whether it is prepared or not it just feels really natural and really comfortable um and yeah yeah I've gone a bit off the topic of having a beer with them but a phenomenal band yeah no good choice again I like it <laughs> um so who is your third pick Third is Keith Moon from The Who. Things and, are about to get chaotic. Yeah, exactly. I thought I'd been <laughs> a bit mellow with my first two choices. So I needed somebody to have a bit of a party with. And I think if you look through the history of music, there are very few people who had the partying credentials uh, more so than Keith Moon. I mean, there were stories involving exploding toilets and cars in swimming pools and TVs out of windows, getting arrested, nudity, fire extinguishers. I mean, you, you, you name it. It sounds like a rugby tour at university. It's just everything kind of rolled into one. I figure he's probably would have chilled out a little bit by now. He would have calmed down a little bit and be able to regale these stories rather than maybe drag me along with it. But the thing that really put Keith Moon in my list was one of my ex-girlfriends. Um, it, her dad used to tell stories about racing hovercrafts with keith moon and i just always thought it sounded like a laugh <laughs> just going for a few drinks with someone getting in your hovercraft and just racing around a big field so i was like yeah i'll, yeah. Go, I'll go hovercraft racing with keith moon i like it I like so
0: th- it. that's that's a nice contrast the hovercraft racing with keith moon to the boston lager sat in a corner with dave Grohl.
2: yeah and and, and Bowie's not going to be interested in hovercraft racing, is he? He's not, he's not, he's not going to be into that. <laughs> Might no, surprise
1: no. you, you never know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I think <laughs> it, would, it would be
1: unfair on the rest of our guests to let you off the hook with the next question, which is, if they were all in a room with you at the same time, how do you think they would interact with each other?
2: Um, I think. I think Dave is the peacemaker in that
1: trio
2: yeah yeah Yeah. i I assume dave bowie and keith moon must have had interaction i would imagine at some point so that they probably got a relationship in there at some point but i imagine they're quite they're two very opposite personalities as well um yeah so I, i can't see those two getting on but i think i think as a trio i think dave would be Grohl would be very much the, the, the peacemaker there. He'd be the intermediary. He'd make sure everyone was getting along. And I think if you're sitting with Dave Grohl in between Keith Moon and Dave, everyone's everyone's going to have a good time. Everyone's going to be chatting. Dave's going to make sure everything's all right.
0: Yeah. No, good, good answer. And, and three good choices again. Yeah. Um, I suppose one question to, to close it now um, with things, with there is light at the end of the tunnel um, what's the one thing you've missed most during all these lockdowns? And what's, so what's the one thing you're looking forward to now?
2: Um, I mean, I could say something like that like I should say and keep myself on brand, like going to a football match or going to watch live music. And I have missed both those things. I think everyone's missed both those things. But to be honest with you, the thing I've missed more than anything else is just seeing people and having human contact with people. Like I'm a hugger. Anyway, so uh, much to my mate's dismay sometimes, whenever I see anyone, I give them a big hug. And not being able to have that human contact or interaction with people, I found really strange over the last year or so. So it is simply seeing people. Um, And I've always thought of myself as uh, someone who's really happy in his own company and happy with his own Thoughts, and I still am. I enjoy time and space. I like to get away from everyone and kind of shut myself away and just think about stuff. But I've now realised how important that human interaction is and seeing different people. Not just because I'm very lucky. I I live with my my little boy and I live with my wife. So I'm not someone who's been completely isolated during the pandemic, like a lot of people have. And I'm hugely grateful for that. But what I've realised is I kind of need, and I think everyone's the same. You need not just people and interaction, like I've said, and that kind of feeling of community, but you need ideas that vary yours and you need people to challenge your way of thinking. And you can't do that on social media because social media yeah. just turns into an argument. Yeah. Uh, but sitting down and talking to people and having people challenge what you're thinking or provide you with inspiration or provide you with the very spark of a new idea, I think, is just important to the, the way. God, this sounds really worthy, and up itself. The way we evolve and the way we grow. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: I don't know if you've walked around Manchester since obviously everything's opened up, but it just feels like a really nice holiday vibe. And it is, like you say, Mm. seeing seeing people, because everyone's obviously outside. It just looks, it's just really refreshing to to see now.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've worked through the pandemic, so I've been into Manchester um, most days, over the last, I would ridiculously we talk about like the, the worth of um, the worth of radio presenters during the, the pandemic radio presenters were classed as key workers. So we're one of the few groups that were allowed to travel because obviously needs to get into radio studios and all that kind of thing, find specialist equipment. So, yeah, so I've seen kind of the way Manchester has changed over the last 12 months. And it was quite upsetting at the very start, the very first lockdown kind of April, um, yeah about April time of last year just seeing the streets closed and the shops shut and the bars boarded up for I'm not Mancunian I was born down south I moved to Manchester at 15 oh god Uh tw- 17 or 18 years ago now so I've been in that long um, and I moved to Manchester because I loved its vibrancy and I loved its creati- creativity and just seeing that ripped out of the city was a little bit heartbreaking so to see those kind of like green shoots coming up again through the pavement powered by the rain is uh, yeah it's really nice yeah.
0: F- Fingers crossed everything goes to plan now and uh, the only way is positive going forward Um yeah, Touch wood don't fuck it up everyone <laughs> <laughs> And um, on a final note, is there anything that we've not mentioned that you might want um, shouting about, plugging?
2: No, um, like I say, Sports Social is a really interesting project. If you like sports podcasts, go and have a look. Sport-social.co.uk is the website. If you make a sport podcast as well, we're always looking for new shows to join the networks. If you want to join our little family, our little community, do get in touch and we'll um, we'll, we'll get you on board excellent
1: and where can people find you on social media i would imagine they, they probably already know the people that are
2: listening but uh, yeah I'm on, I'm on instagram and stuff like that but i've no idea how to use it so i never post anything <laughs> so i'm kind of okay with twitter so you can find me yes, there nice. at mr underscore jim bob on there good stuff and yep. thanks, thank Barry. you so much for joining us
1: it's been yeah. an absolute pleasure thanks and you very much. Uh, we look forward to uh to
2: keeping up to date with everything that you're doing nice one boys pleasure to chat
0: no worries it's been brilliant cheers
2: Cheers, guys! See you right, later. Right.
0: Bye-bye. Bye-bye, bye 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 bye. Yeah, so that was Jim Salverson from the Access Manchester Evening Show, promoter of new music, and as he said, the sport, social. Uh, he was really good. Talked talked really well on um on the topics and um yeah. What, what what do you think, James?
1: Yeah, I think he's a really really nice bloke. Um, it was great to have a chat with him, not just about music, but about you know the football as well. Uh, we kind of went quite deep into the sports social and what all that's about, and it's really clear from from what he does on the radio to also with the sports social that he's really invested in seeking out sort of newer and unrecognised talent in you know in many different forms and sort of trying to bring attention to that. So,
0: yeah, and I think I like a lot that. a lot of new bands and artists see him, and I think John Kennedy, they're the two two of the big promoters of new music from what i see on twitter so it's a it's a good yeah. thing to have yeah so so we'll be back next week with a new podcast as usual you can find us on twitter at northern chorus underscore instagram at northern chorus and facebook northern chorus uk thank you for listening
1: thanks see you next week Bye.